Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. Hi, and welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And this week, we're going to talk about Micro League Wrestling. But before we do, uh, we've got a couple other items to attend to. Uh, the first one is very, very special. Ooh. And, uh, Aaron doesn't know that I'm doing this, but uh, Aaron had a birthday this past oh, week. Geez. And so I've got him a gift that I would like to give to him on air. So, Aaron, Boat. meticulously wrapped in an Amazon box. Thank you, Boat. Oh, my. What do we got here? Oh, cool. Doctor Who book. So, I think. Is that what this is? Yeah. I think you. if you'll recall last year. I've got the first one. I got you Warp Volume 1. And uh, this year, I figured I'd get you Volume 2. Look right there. There it is. Time Lord for the Odyssey 2. He's <laughs> opened it up. So that is a. Thanks, Boat. I appreciate that. No problem. That's a book written by Earl Green, who's one of my old friends from Digital Press. And uh, he does his own podcast called The Escape Pod Podcast, which is a daily podcast about uh, science fiction and science fact. So did he do the first book? Yeah, he did the first book, too. It's outstanding. I use it actually as a reference quite often. Awesome. Thank you, man. No problem. So, now that we've got the birthdays out of the way, um, we've got some feedback. We got a lot of feedback from uh, last week's episode. Really? Yeah. Um, All right. The first uh, feedback comes from uh, one of our Australian fans. Uh, <laughs> it blows his, my mind. His name is Kira Prostasinovsky. Hmm. And, uh, he's, Scrabble. Yeah. He says, uh, great work you guys are doing with the Amigos podcast. I've been listening during my commute to work here in Sydney, Australia. Uh, I've been playing the games you review in each episode. Unfortunately, my scores haven't been great. Uh, he says, I, I mainly play on the FS UAE emulator on my MacBook Air. I do own several wheel Amigas and like to hook them up from time to time. Um, he says that uh, he's still looking for an Amiga 3000 and a CD32 to complete the collection. And uh, But he, ha- he has a Mac Mini G4 set aside for Morph OS one day, maybe. Have you guys had any experience with this? Have you heard of Morph OS? I have heard of it. That's pretty much the extent of what I know about it. Well, I spent some time and looked this up because right. I love obscure contemporary operating systems. All right. Um, and Morph OS is sort of an Amiga-like operating system. Some people think that it actually is Amiga-compatible, but it's not. Okay. Uh, it looks kind of like Workbench. But it has a whole suite of applications that have been developed strictly for it. So it has its own discrete web browser. It has its own discrete. I mean, it's not ports of Chrome or something like that. Um, what does it run on? It runs on uh, PowerPC software huh. or hardware. So if okay. you have an old iMac or you know any of the old Macs that run on the uh, Motorola uh, PowerPC chips, you can you can load it up on that. It is free to try, but it's eighty dollars to buy, which is 
I mean, in the days where, you know, Windows 10 is being given away for free and, uh, you know, Mac OS has been free for a few years, $80 is a lot to spend. How, how does for, the support look like on it? Is it, well, like, is it? How many people are using it out there? I guess it's it's mostly popular in Europe, mm-hmm. though it is in English. And uh, I, I didn't look at the numbers, but, uh, you know... I guess it's popular enough for, for, you know, support is continuing on it. I personally would be a little bit afraid to run any kind of serious, you know, web applications, you know, anything where I'd have to sign into to Google or anything like that through something that I didn't completely trust. Uh, but uh, but that is out there, and I think it's cool that people are still developing operating systems. It is neat. I wonder, though, it doesn't run um, – it's not Amiga-compatible, classic Amiga-compatible. Right. right. And so I'm going to go on the assumption there are things being written specifically for the OS. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you know, it's got <clears> – when I tried to read – I read a, a comment thread when, uh, when, this, when the latest version came out. And basically the, the original column said, hey, this is completely compatible with the Amiga. And then, of course, all the comments were like, no, it actually isn't. And then it kind of devolved into this flame war between people that liked Morph OS and people that liked Amiga OS 4.0, which I guess is another, you know, competing thing. But apparently, I guess there are some more contemporary applications that would run on the later Amiga hardware. But any of the classic games basically are not going to be compatible. You you basically have to run an emulator within the operating system, which kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, defeats yeah. the purpose. Still interesting yeah. that, that people are out there doing that. And uh, you know, if I had an old Mac, you know, I'd definitely load it up on there just to just to give it a try. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, Dreamcatcher. He is. Uh, he's left us a comment on um, the English Amiga board. English, like the British Amiga board. All right. And uh, he said, "You asked on the Marble Madness episode if anyone knows which other coin-op games ran on Amiga hardware. Uh, aside from Mad Dog McCree, which we talked about, the ones he could think of were Gallagher's Gallery. Familiar with that? Mm, no, I'm not. Uh, Mad Dog Two: The Lost Gold. I, I heard. I read some places that that did have an Amiga hardware." And some that it didn't, mm. and I wasn't confident enough to include it. But you know, maybe he's right. I don't know. Yeah, and then Space Pirates. Have you heard of that? One? That's another one from I think American Laser Game. I think that's another one of theirs. Okay, and who shot Johnny Rock? I think that's another one of theirs. All right. I think those are all Laser American. Was it American, American Laser, Laser Games? Game. Yeah. Yeah. So the chances are those were probably all upgrades from McCree, mm-hmm. and they must have made a disc upgrade disc that was compatible with the original Mad Dog McCree hardware. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably where that comes from. So, I, you know, I looked I looked at a couple of those, and I know I'm pretty certain that they had another hardware set that did that was not Amiga 500 based, but I couldn't confirm mm. either way. So, but yeah, that you know maybe you're right. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Those wouldn't surprise me. The other game I've never heard of. Right. Uh, and he just says, you know, he's really enjoying the show. We got a lot of feedback from people just checking in, saying how much they like the show, and we appreciate all of that. Um, it's and- baffling. <laughs> I can't believe how many. It's when we get mail from from uh, the UK or or, or uh, Australia, it just it blows my mind. It is it is amazing that uh, that that everyone is uh, is listening to us from from these far flung locations. Yeah, uh, considering that we're broadcasting out of a basement in West Virginia, in, uh, the humble <laughs> humble yeah. hill folk of right. West Virginia. <laughs> Um, and uh, but he uh, he gave us some feedback on the show. He said that he appreciates our laid back and underproduced style. <laughs> no, which, yeah, which I mean is not hard to do. <laughs> and um, 
and he said you don't need dozens of randomly inserted funny clips to pat it out. And I will say that uh, I am with him on that. It sometimes annoys me when podcasts try to uh, interrupt the action with things that, you know, clips from too many commercials or just random things that aren't related at all in an attempt to be funny. There's nothing funny about us. Yeah, we are not funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, and I've got one more piece of uh, feedback and uh, that is from our friend Flack, Rob O'Hara. Oh, and right. uh, he basically schooled us on the Commodore sixteen. Oh, good because that was. A, I tried to look that up, but it, there's it's, it's we, an odd little thing. We were wrong on all counts, pretty much. Right. Which, well, we, you know. we up front, I think we were pretty upfront about our lack of knowledge yeah. about the C sixteen. Um, it was released after the Commodore sixty four. All right, and it was designed to replace the VIC twenty. Oh, so, I see. I know it was a low. They said it was a, for the low end market. Yeah. Now, I mean, the Commodore. By the time this thing was was released, I mean, the Commodore was already. I mean, it was the this, Flack said that the the Commodore sixteen only cost a hundred dollars, but I mean, the C sixty four at the time it was released probably only cost about two hundred. I know. Think? For the, I don't know how how long into the sixty four's life did that thing get popped out. He he doesn't say. Did, did but a I, year. I, I know that. Uh, you know the. Um, the Commodore dropped price dropped pretty quick. dramatically. Yeah. I mean, it was like half, half. It really went down. So, he and he says that uh, you know the it was released at the same time as the Commodore Plus Four. Uh, the difference being the Plus Four had four productivity programs like Office uh, built in, and um, the Commodore sixteen only cost a hundred dollars. It only had sixteen kilobytes of RAM. It didn't do sprites. And wasn't backwards compatible with the C sixty four. So did it play any Vic stuff? Even? Um, did it do anything? The only selling point he says, in his opinion, was that they used the C sixty four mold for the case, except it's dark gray with light gray keys. So even though it's a piece of crap, it looks really cool. Wonder if anybody does a case swap on this. <laughs> Wonder if it's possible. You know, I don't know. That's a good question. There you go, Mister Flack. He can school us on that too. Yeah, and um, have a super cool sixty four. And just on top of all that. It doesn't have. It doesn't. It didn't even come with a, a DB9 joystick port. You know the Atari right. joystick port. So, well, with no sprite support, what do you? Yeah, that's. I mean, I don't. I don't text know. Text adventures. It would be interesting to know the marketing pitch for that one. The thing is, we know they made games for it. At yeah. least one group. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> someone gave it a whirl. At Very least. odd. You know, um, who was it? Tensoft was that? I think it yeah. was. It was. Uh, hey, maybe there's a <laughs> god awful pinball game out there for it. <laughs> Um, and the last thing is, uh, I just like to remind all of our listeners that we do have a Facebook page. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you go to facebook.com slash amigos podcast, uh, that is our Facebook page. Uh, we had a couple people that uh, wanted to like us and weren't sure where to find us. So that's where we are. Um, and so if Facebook's your thing, that's where we are. Yeah, we need to get some action on that Facebook page. I'd like to hear some yeah. comments and uh, talk some amigo on there. Absolutely. Would you like to comment on this week's episode? Did John and Aaron finally make their first mistake? Leave us a comment at our blog at amigospodcast.com. All right. It's time to move on to the game. It's not time to move on to the game. Poor absent-minded mode. <laughs> uh, so Aaron's got a hardware segment for us this just week. A, this is really just a little uh, kind of a mini review, and it's it's something I, I've found quite quite useful. I've been using it more and more. Um, for those of you out there that have a uh, an Amiga twelve hundred, a legitimate Amiga, which is always great. Um, there's a there's a uh, there's a piece of hardware out for it. It's called the Easy ADF PC MCIA uh, fl- uh, Flash Transfer Kit. 
All right, it's Compact Flash. What this little item is, you can get them from AmigaKit.com. This is, we're not advertising for AmigaKit.com. But if but, they would like to sponsor us, we will <laughs> gladly do so. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, um, <clears throat> but it's a great little item to uh, to transfer software back and forth on your on your 1200. And I'm guessing, I think the 600 had a PCMCIA slot on it, so it probably works on that as well. What you give your uh, money, it's it's like, um, it's 17 bucks, right? Cheap. That's one of the cheapest things they've got on a Mega yeah, Kit if you were yeah. on there. And it's just a PCMCIA card with a uh, with a flash, a compact flash pl- place to plug one in, basically. And uh, you could and you could just you can uh, stick a compact flash in your PC's uh, card slot, copy the stuff over onto it, and once you've installed the included uh, software that comes with the card, uh, you can uh, stick the card into the PCMCIA slot. And copy it right to your Amiga. It's that simple. I've been using it to copy mod files off some old Amiga discs I had. It's tremendous. It works great. I've never had a single problem with it. Um, the uh, the ability to copy software onto the Amiga. I've got an Amiga Flash. I've got a, a Flash um, card as a hard drive on the Amiga. Uh, another thing I picked up from Amiga Kit, and uh, I, it, it makes it easy for me to just transfer software back and forth to it to update it to uh, update software, and uh, it's been a real help to rescue the stuff off my old M- uh, MP or my old almost MP3, my old mod discs because uh, I've got probably fifty discs full of mod files, and we we were talking about that uh, that uh, Kickstarter last month for the um, for the disc full of uh, music. Mm-hmm. I got I got to thinking I need to get back on this because I've probably got a couple hundred of these myself. I've been using it a lot. I'm making uh, Mister Boat up a disc as we speak of mod files, and I thought I'd give this thing a quick shout out. Again, it's seventeen bucks. It comes with the card. Uh, I mean, it comes with the adapter. It comes with the disc. Flash cards are pretty cheap. You can actually buy that with it, or you can get your own. And uh, I've not had any problem with it. Uh, the, and the uh, software, I haven't had a single bit of problem with that. I mean, once you install it, it's like it just it was born to do it. So something I'd recommend. I also noticed that uh, Amiga Kit is selling, uh, and this happens periodically. They're selling 1200s right now, actual Amiga 1200s. Really? I think. Uh, they're somewhere in the ballpark at 270 bucks before you frill it up and they've got a ton of extra frills you can are these are these new old stock I mean no these ones? are I think they're all refurbs okay. I think the, I think pretty much the uh, warehouses have ran dry on mm. 1200s the uh, um, you can you can have them customize it with uh, flash cards and 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 adapters and uh, accelerators uh, you can put different types of workbench on it. Um, you can or kickstart. You can put uh, any number of frills. Of course, they all add up. Uh, trust me, because I, I custom built one to see what it would look like, and it looked like I would be getting that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, if you're going to get an Amiga, uh, just to tool around. I don't know if anyone. You know, I'm sure some of our listeners like maybe had an Amiga when they were a kid or whatever. I'm sure not everyone has got an Amiga just sitting around the house like I do. Boy, it's awful good to have one, I'll tell you. And if you can get one for a couple hundred bucks, you know, 300 bucks, I mean, it's not a cup of coffee, but it's not a ton. I checked on shipping. Shipping to America is cheap. I think it was going to be like eight bucks or something to get shipped. Ooh, that's boy. not, it's not that's bad. Unreal, um, considering that it costs me, like when I order, I get a magazine from the UK, and I think it's like four or five pounds to well, ship one magazine. Well, Amiga Kid, I think they have a stateside supplier. Okay. 
So uh, if you go to meatkit.com, they will have a, a different supplier for several different countries. That you, I, you know, I looked and saw there were like there were four or five, and I'm assuming they're. That's I don't think it was like that when I ordered my stuff, but that's what the shipping was cheap. I thought, wow, that's a real good deal. Uh, on top of everything else, I mean, that's a good place to get any of your media stuff. You know, you're going to pay a premium. There's no doubt about it. They've got a good stock of stuff. But if you're ever going to get an Amiga, the 1200 is the one to get. And if you get a 1200 and you get the uh, 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 this sort of flash transfer card, you'll be able to transfer over any ADFs, which are compressed uh, disk files off uh, on the Amiga 4 main, in case you didn't know what that was. Uh, you'll be able to transfer over your music, your demos, whatever you want. And it's easy as pie, and it's simple. Uh, I'm, I, I know something about Amiga. I'm not a super genius when it comes to working in Workbench and, and moving files around. This stuff's very simple. So, just a little plug for that, and uh, we'll move along. Awesome. Are you enjoying the Amigos podcast? If so, please take a moment to write us a review on iTunes. iTunes is how most people discover podcasts, and by writing a review, you'll help us get to the top of the retro gaming and computing section. Thanks. Okay, it's time for... The best wrestling game called Micro League Wrestling <laughs> ever produced. You should have announced it like the Finkel, the Fink did. <laughs> this review is scheduled for one fall. <laughs> uh, you know, Micro League Wrestling is a game, sort of. Um, and uh, it was, it holds the dubious distinction of being. The very first wrestling game licensed by the WWF. Which is interesting. Who'd have thunk it, right? Yeah. Um, now, you know, I'm sure that there were, well, of course, you know, there were pro wrestling games before Micro League Wrestling, but. Um, many. I don't think that there were many on the Amiga. I Do any wrestling games predate Micro League Wrestling that you know of on the Amiga? Boy, uh, I don't think so. I mean, I, there weren't a ton of wrestling games that I know of. Mm-hmm. I, off the, the top of my head, I can think of maybe four, counting this one. They're all, all WWF. I don't think they're. Can you think of any others that aren't WWF related? I know there's. I know there's this one. There's uh, WrestleMania. There's um, a, a, a what's it? It's a, it's a UK based one that mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of. And it seems like there was one more. So there weren't that many. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and this is one of them. <laughs> it is one of them. Um, it was developed by Upfront Software. Uh, do you know anything about Upfront Software? Uh, nobody does. I don't think they ever did any. As far as I can tell, they did nothing else. For yeah, the media. yeah, they uh, they closed up shop. Uh, they they figured their best work was behind them, and they were never heard from again. Um, so, uh, Aaron, do you have some uh, some background information on on Micro League Wrestling? Well, from what I could tell, and I, it's funny, we actually have played this before. On on the on the PC or the C sixty four, maybe somebody had it. It was a friend of mine, so I, I was sort of familiar with it. Um, it came out in eighty seven on the Commodore sixty four, so this one came out a couple a couple years later. Um, it took place the the actual game, from what I could tell. It looks like a, the uh, footage and stuff came from somewhere in in eighty eight. Um, it looks like the footage, which the wrestling footage, at least. The ring announcer parts were filmed in either Madison Square Garden or uh, the Boston Gardens, 
Uh, it's kind of hard to differentiate just from the shot that they had. Now, you said that it looks like this, these videos were shot in, in 88. So does that mean that the, the, the C64 version had totally different uh, totally different capture? It had, it, different, it had different guys. Mm-hmm. You know, well, here's, the, here's how I tried to look up when this footage was. Like, you got to think there's a zillion tons of WWF footage. Um, I tried to look up when this footage was from, and I tried to narrow it down. And there were a couple of things that you could get an idea of the year. One was that Ted DiBiase had the million dollar belt. Okay, the million dollar belt uh, was a belt he made up in character, and I believe it debuted in '88. Mm, I think so. It that's did. the secret, right there. And then uh, Macho was with Sherry, Sensational Sherry, and that would have been about the same time. Um, the uh, the footage, is, you know, it could be a mismatch of different matches. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. Uh, but the, I, the only thing I had to go by in terms of where they were was the ring announcer. And they could have, again, that could be from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But uh, the uh, the the way it's presented and stuff, the announcers, I will say that <laughs> in some ways this is an excellent game. I know you're going to probably not believe me. but <laughs> I'm willing to hear you out. Well, <laughs> the presentation's really good. True. Uh, you get like you get uh, one of three wrestlers on the Amiga version. You can either play Hulk Hogan against Ted DiBiase, or Hulk Hogan against uh, Macho Man, uh, and you can and you can be either one. Uh, the Macho Man again is with Sensational Sherry, which is Sherry Martell as manager, and uh, Ted DiBiase is with Virgil. The uh, when you start the game, there's a uh, there's nice shots of an arena. They have there once you pick your your guys, they they have promos that they cut on each other. The little updates that show up and down the screen. That's something mm-hmm. that sort of actually that was a graphic they used to use back in the day. So they tried to lift that from the television show. The wrestlers, the text, they don't. I mean, if you haven't seen this game, no, it's not real motion. It's just. Uh, Clips that are close enough together to where it sort of looks like they're moving. Yeah, it's, it's like a flip book. Three, yeah, three or four shots. Flip book is all also doing it too much. <laughs> yeah, flip, uh, a really bad it, flip. Book. It's it's really just you know shots, three or four shots if you can imagine taking three pictures of one wrestling move. And so you see like for example, if it's a body slam, you've got a shot of him trying to lift him up, a shot of him up in the air, and then a shot of him being slammed. To right, the ground. right, right. But uh, they do a little promo. Uh, you get to see promo. You see a promo and then like uh, uh the, from one wrestler then a promo from the other guy he's wrestling and then i think they even flash back uh, like to, to for a rebuttal or mm-hmm. whatever uh, uh they've got their the way they speak the way the text is written it's dead on they really did a good job i mean someone must listen to a bunch of interviews and yeah like machos was dead on hulk they sounded just like something they would say yeah absolutely and the commentary was very similar to what you would expect they um uh, the commentators pretty much spoke like their, you know, like their character they were supposed to represent, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, the move sets, pretty accurate for the most part. I mean, obviously they had to have footage of them doing the moves, right? But I mean, they did what they did for the most part, and yeah, a little bit of wavering there. But when you start the match as a ring announcer, they play theme songs, mm-hmm. sorta. They got Macho and Hulk's right, but I don't know what Ted DiBiase's was. <laughs> I guess Ted's is sort of they're saying money over and over, and they just that wouldn't translate well to a MIDI or mm-hmm. whatever they use. They just made up a new little tune for him. It almost sounded like we're in the money combined with something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're a music instructor. Maybe you could figure out what they were talking about. We'll have to listen to it again on the live stream and yeah. see if I can. <laughs> oh God! Uh, but uh, the uh, 
the one I had played before, the graphics were not as good. Mm. It was in the the uh, the <laughs> on the DOS. Or you were you played the I, I DOS. Can't remember, it might have been the C sixty four version I played, but it was black and whiteish, you know, pretty much. And so, and the, you know, it, they didn't look that great. These are in color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the resolution is not bad. I mean, you can definitely uh, tell given what the are. year is. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they take advantage of framing the screen in such a way that you only get about maybe you know. A quarter of the screen is, you know, a, a picture. So they get probably a not even that much. Yeah, yeah. For that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, w- everything leading up to the match is great. Yeah, it's, it's when the match starts that the game really starts to fall apart because the game is it's like rock paper scissors, except sometimes paper beats rock and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and there's no there's no way that you can tell why things happen the way that they do. Now, you might say, well, that's wrestling. And you'd be right. But um, when you're trying to actually play a game, you know, and you're trying to work out a strategy, it helps to at least have an inkling of, you know, what you need to do to achieve victory. Um, how did your matches go in this? I actually played this a lot. Mm-hmm. And this game had everything it would take to be an interesting game except for one thing. It had no gameplay that made any sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as you touched on. Um, the moves... You know, a lot of game wrestling games that are action-based... Um, let's say WrestleFest, for example. If anyone's played WWF, WrestleFest which is one of the top-shelf arcade wrestling game. You start off with the little moves, and you move, work your way up, and eventually you're doing the pile drivers and the, the finishing moves. I think this is sort of like that, but I've got really no way to confirm, and I've got no way to prove any sort of uh method to do better or do worse it just felt like you click the button and you hope it worked out yeah uh, the block button i've never successfully got it to work the computer does uh did you ever get the block to actually is, is that where you know the, basically nothing happens and they say the wrestlers are just looking at each other well if you, that- if you successfully block it, you get health back. Oh no, I, I never. A little bit of health. I never. You know? I never got that. Um, the. Uh, Actually, I think I never chose block just because I thought it sounded lame. Well, it is lame, but I was, <laughs> I was like, man, what am I? What am I doing here? The first, the very first game I played, I, I played this Hulk Hogan and I lost to Ted DiBiase. Something else about this game, I think you can choose from like ten minutes, like thirty minutes, and sixty minutes. I like to shake the hand of the guy that can sit down and play this for an hour. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This is it's. I mean, it, even on, even emulated or I, you know, I played on the Amiga, but even I played on both actually. And it's even with no I/O, it just it's it's so slow. Yeah. And uh, and one thing too about the um, the in ring action is that <clears throat> even though during the intros. You know, the wrestler theme songs play, I'm a Real American, and uh, Pomp and Circumstance. Once the match starts, it's nothing but crowd noise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it gets old. How many times did you see the kid hold up the Hulk doll? <laughs> yeah. About 600 <laughs> times. There, there, um, there's three or four canned shots of the crowd that they just revolve through as, as, you, as your match goes on. And um, <clears throat> let me tell you about my first match. So I was all excited. You know, it was, it was Hogan versus Savage. So I chose wrist lock for for Hulk Hogan, and um, and then the computer chose stomp. So I was like, "All right, here we go." Then Sensational Sherry entered the ring, and Macho Man all right, was DQ'd before the fight even began. 
Really? I never had that happen. That was the very first match that I played. <laughs> so I guess every so often, you know, those dice roll inside the computer. And uh, and Sensational Sherry will, you know, run in there and, you know, run into the ring. And Did you ever have that happen again? No. It only happened once. That's crazy. Now, you know, I, I, the, in the first game I played was Hulk against Ted. I was playing Hulk. Virgil jumped up on the ring apron and grabbed me and, and then my, and then uh, Teddy Biasi hit me with his finisher, which was that I guess that's part of it, and then pinned me at the end of the match. But I there was no I never saw these for DQ. Yeah. Pretty neat. Yeah. So I thought that was Hey uh, you won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um now the second match I played, um I was the same same matchup. And I landed every single blow of the match. Really? Yeah, just one after the other. Um, well, I never did that either. Savage. I mean, he would he would pick things, and I would pick things, and I landed every single one. It still took over six minutes to finish the game. <laughs> yeah, it's just so it's just this long baton death march did of you, a wrestling game. And you know, you have to hit your finisher to go for the pin, mm-hmm. right? The uh, um, it just t- it does take forever, and and I and every game I played almost, I would jump out to an insurmountable lead, and then. The computer would slowly start whittling away. And I was just like, oh, God, please. <laughs> I played in my second game, I played Macho against Hulk mm-hmm. and, and played as Macho. And one thing, <laughs> something else I'll point out is when, is after you pick a move and the computer picks a move, it'll say success underneath whoever got the move. And then the little video screen will just play a, a, a still shot of one of the wrestlers heads and the macho would always amuse because he just looks so bewildered he's like burn his hair is all frazzed out he looks like he's been electric shock yeah hogan's doesn't look that much better you know just kind of yeah. staring blankly you know <laughs> they all look just look perplexed like what are we doing here you know but uh the uh, i mean they picked good guys too i mean hulk hogan i mean he yeah, obviously the biggest guys in the in the game at you that know, time obviously hulk's had to had his problems yeah. now but at the time hulk? i've never heard of him yeah yeah, yeah. and then uh, uh we got the macho man randy savage with miss Eli- or with sensational sherry now was, is- did sensational sherry predate miss elizabeth no 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 mm. sherry elizabeth was his first actually that was his actual legitimate wife mm. for a while uh sensational sherry came later uh, uh, in fact, she directly led to uh, Macho and Elizabeth getting back together in storyline because mm-hmm. she Macho lost a career match against the Ultimate Warrior, which I lose at WrestleMania, and uh, Sherry got mad. And that while, while Macho laid there, she put the boots to him, and and uh, Elizabeth came out of the crowd oh, and beat her up, wow. and they reunited. And, and I kid you not, there were shots of women on the crowd just bawling their eyes out <laughs> at this soap opera stuff, you know. But in, 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 in actual truth, they had gotten divorced, and I'm sure that was not a fun time to, right. you know. They actually worked together in WCW for years and years after that. So, you know, they made it work, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. both of them are passed away. Yeah. And so is Sherry. Is she yeah. really? She passed away several years ago, oh. yeah. So it's <laughs> it's the wrestling curse. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Hulk's still around. Ted DiBiase's still around. So, yeah. And Ted DiBiase's son wrestles now, right? He did. He re- he, he retired. Okay. Uh, he, uh, you know, he was a... He was a good-looking kid, bigger than his dad, but he didn't have his dad's charisma and he or ability to to, to work. Mm. So, he and so unfortunately he retired. But he's doing, you know, he's got his own thing going on. But uh, the game I, I went through just for fun and wrote down some of the moves. I'm not going to go through all these, but some of them they have in common. Um, <coughs> Hulk has you know, most of them have uh, punch and kick, uh, and Hulk and Teddy Biasi have chop. Hulk, like he said, this wrist lock, which if you know anything about Hulk, you don't see the Hulk do a bunch of wrestling <laughs> moves. 
elbow drop, body slam for Hulk, clothesline, the big boot, which is, you know, obviously yeah, one of his, his big moves, the atomic boot. drop, another move. You don't see that one anymore, which no. is where the guy picks a guy up and drops him his butt on your knee. And then the big leg drop of Doom, mm-hmm. right? DiBiase, the best I could tell, he had something called the Wall Street Stomp. <laughs> did you ever see that get taken on? It, he did this. I, don't, I didn't know it had a name. He just jumps up near and stomps on you a couple times. <laughs> and in his finishing, it was the crash. And that's I guess that's where Virgil would grab you. Virgil was his bodyguard in storyline for a while. And uh, and he would crack you upside the head and then pin you. Mm-hmm. Virgil ended up taking the million-dollar belt, by the way, at one point. He ended up winning it. He's, oh, like, wow. he's the only guy to legitimately win the million-dollar <laughs> belt. And then Savage, they did a good job on his move set. Uh, pretty much everything here, uh, the body block, the axe handle. The, he does the axe handle off the top of the ring to the floor, mm-hmm. which is that's what he did in, in, in real life, the knee drop. Uh, the, du- the double he did all this stuff in real life and the big savage super elbow drop you know macho was probably wouldn't you say he was one of the biggest guys to really do a lot of aerial stuff he was one of the first guys i saw go from the top rope to the floor mm-hmm. he was not i mean i mean he wasn't lucha style craziness, no he but, I wasn't mean, he was but, a I mean, huge guy that, and he was climbing the ropes that, a lot. he wasn't the biggest guy but that leg that oh that uh double accent off the top to the floor i mean that's a long drop you know that, and I thought that's you know that's crazy. And mm-hmm. um, he uh, he stuck Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's neck over the fan barrier one time and came across him with the with the bell and put him out of action. That was a real famous storyline back in the day that led up to WrestleMania. Uh, uh, what was it? WrestleMania three. It was uh, the undercard for Hulk versus Andre the Giant, and that was but that was one of the bigger matches in WrestleMania history. Uh, Savage was a, a heck of a worker, one of the all time great workers uh, in 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 wrestling. The uh, you know this game, I really they had a lot going for it too. It was really I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, but it was just if it had a game, it even had. Did you notice that it had it had support for modem play? Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, surely that can't be modem. It's but true, it was. It yeah. was. I and and it would work. Mm-hmm. It, that would work. Well, it, you know, back in in 1989. The kind of modems that were, you know, this would be a perfect game for modem play because it doesn't require a whole lot of bits being pushed back and right, forth. Right, right, yeah, and it's all it's all all to be local except mm-hmm. for that literally that one input. Mm-hmm. If they could have implemented some system, and really, my uh, micro league was their their big thing was simulations. Right, mm-hmm. I think baseball was one of their big things. Um, if they had put some time and effort into the actual simulation of something, yeah. made any rule set just. It, it's a, it's a missed opportunity. It's sort of lazy yeah. that they didn't. I don't put have a down. problem with each person selecting a move. You know that style of gameplay. If there is some sort of strategy behind it, you know if you if there's a way to start out with smaller moves and you gradually build up or so, something like that, it would have been a whole different game. You know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And they had expansion discs for other um, computers. The mm-hmm. C sixty four had one uh, that uh, you could add. Uh, let me see here. Uh, you could add uh, Honky Tonk Man versus Macho Man. You could add Hacksaw Duggan versus King Harley Race, and Jake the Snake versus Hulk, and uh, Jake, uh, excuse me, J- uh, Jake the Snake versus Ravishing Rick Rude, which that would have been neat. We didn't get any of that. Uh, the C sixty four version also had one of the guys you could fight was uh, Hulk versus Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Mm. That was, if you think about when that came out, if you're a wrestling fan, that one came out a lot earlier, and that was a, a big money feud back in the day when, when Orndorff fought Hulk. Yeah, Mr. Wonderful was kind of, he was almost from the generation before those He guys, sort of was, he? yeah, but I mean, he, he, he stayed around. He actually trained at the WCW power plant for a while, uh, and uh, 
helped get guys like Goldberg and those guys that you know ready to go to the main roster. Uh, so expansion disc would have been cool, you know, if they, if they'd put some out. But I guess the Amiga version just didn't do very well. Oh, there's an ST version as well. I looked at the Atari ST version. It looked about the same. Hmm. Uh, I like the fact you can pick different control methods. the The opening screen's kind of wacky. It's all visual pictures to pick the controls. Yeah, it's not. I mean, of course, this was back in the day when all games came with big instruction manuals that would tell you what to do. But just coming upon it, it it doesn't really lead you to, you know, some of those. You can definitely tell. Well, that's a joystick, you know. But then there's a cross, and you're supposed to know that that's you know the arrow keys. Yeah. And, it took me a, a few tries to figure out what all the stuff did. Oh, we didn't mention the uh, the commentators. Yeah. As you play the game, you've got a running commentary. Uh, you've got uh, well, Mean Gene Oakland interviews your your guys for the promos before the match, and uh, the commentaries. The I only saw two sets of commentators. Uh, I read that maybe it must be on other versions that you can get. A, there's a third set. The ones I saw were uh, Vince McMahon and Jesse the Body Ventura, mm-hmm. and the other one was Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. Right. Uh, I read that Lord Alfred Hayes was in there. I never saw. Did you ever get him come up? No, I only I only had Brain and. Uh, they were both good. I'll, I'll, actually, the commentary wasn't bad. <laughs> I, I thought that they put the same kind of thought into the commentary that they did in their promos. You know, it sounded they said phrases that those guys, you know, said. Right, right. I agree. So. I uh, um, I didn't have a problem with that. It, you could almost modernize a game like this. I'm surprised they didn't do another version of this and say like the 80s when the DM, or the when, or in the 90s when the full motion video thing was in yeah. full slate and and put actual commentary in and and put actual video footage in. Did you ever play the uh, WWF VHS board game? I did not. I have played the AWA wrestling board game. So I, this is something that I really wish that I still had, um, but it's basically the same sort of deal, kind of. Where you know you're going around the board, you know it's like every single VHS board game, and you reach a certain point, and you push play on the thing, and it shows you a little clip of a move. I mean, with full motion video, you could do the exact same thing that this game does. It's like you said, you know, you pick your move, but you actually get to see it play out in real time. And uh, I think they would have moved moved some moved some games. Yeah, and, like and maybe they maybe they did, but I mean, if there's there could be something like that out there, but I just don't remember seeing it. Yeah. You know, it seems so logical that to, that, that would be the natural progression of a game like this. Yeah, but you have to think about too, maybe, you know, in the early early 90s. I don't know, do you think wrestling, you know, kind of before all the the Monday Night Wars and all that stuff started to heat up, do you think wrestling was kind of in the doldrums? It was. It did peter out in uh, uh, the early the early 90s. And so maybe slow. that kind of coincided with when those games would have been made yeah. anyway. You might be right. You, you might be right. The uh, um, the possibility of it, though, would be interesting. Now, I don't know if you could do something like that on the Amiga. It probably didn't have the yeah. Although a CD thirty two game almost yeah. certainly could do it. Well, you you just have to letterbox the video down to the size of a postage stamp, which is what you know those games did. Of course, then. if they didn't do something about the gameplay, it would have failed. I mean, yeah. that's that's what you've got here is I don't even know you can call it a game. I don't know what you call it. It's not even an interactive movie because yeah. at least like Dragon Slayer or something like that, you're actually altering what happens. And this, you just feel like you could just randomly hit a button and. Maybe you'll win. Right. You, know, you still know. And, you know, one of the things that I thought would have been cool if they did have the full motion video is at least, you know, if they would have expanded the moveset, you could have learned all the moves because I still don't know what all the moves are. I know you do, but, you know, for example, the atomic drop, I know what that looks like, but if I didn't, if I could see it, that would be kind of cool. So I know what it was in the future. Right, right, right. So, you know, overall, 
it's it's a letdown. It's a it's a novelty, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's neat that the Amiga had had a, a game like this, but you know you can see why they went away. Because yeah. I if I had paid money for this, if I'd paid fifty dollars and went out and back in the day and picked this up and then got home and got through all their openings and stuff and then got real excited and and then that was what you got, I would be pretty upset. So we didn't have a score this week because there are no scores in this game. I don't think, <laughs> right? I didn't see any scores. No, uh, I did win um, a match. I only played two matches. I'm not going to lie to you. I played probably. <laughs> I bet I played five. I bet I played five or six matches. I'm so sorry. Um, and uh, but you know, I didn't really miss having a score. Really, I was just I was wanting to see all the moves, so I went down through the whole move list and saw all the different moves. And um, but. I wrote down my quickest win. Oh, okay. Quickest was, win. It was six six minutes, 15 seconds. I think we probably came pretty close. I didn't write down the seconds, but I think if you're just, you know, picking a move every single time and it comes out right, because um, that's, you know, it took me over six minutes to finish when I landed every single blow. Um, so, uh, anyway, that's Micro League Wrestling. Uh, we play it, so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're interested, if you're interested in old wrestling, nostalgia, it's definitely that's what the only the enjoyable part of it was just seeing what yeah what wrestling looked yeah. like back then absolutely um next week we are going to go back to uh our pinball special for the second part of our pinball special uh we are going to cover two games uh we're going to cover the second game of the digital illusions uh trilogy which is pinball what fantasies pinball fantasies and uh, we're also going to do Slam Tilt Pinball, which is uh, another Digital Illusions game. And I think it was the last Digital Illusions pinball game for the Amiga. Hmm. Uh, so I've heard good things. Yeah. So uh, look forward to that. And also uh, look forward to our live stream coming up immediately following the podcast. Uh, Aaron, do you have anything else before we go? Nope. Uh, go out there and get yourself an Amiga and have some fun.